0: Let's do this, the Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy.
1: Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm in a pretty good mood. How about you? Yeah, I'm in a good mood. Why are you in a good mood? Bobby Lou retired, and uh, Vancouver got uh, kind of got the short end of the goalie paddle there. A three-year cap recapture at $3 million a year. How's that for a? For That's a Robert, Roberto Luongo. Roberto Luongo, Bobby Lou. So he... he's retired after a great career, but he had one of those long, 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 long term contracts with the tail on it. And I think he gave up, he only gave up like a million a year for the last three years. But because the cap hit, the averaged out cap hit was so much higher than that, uh, Vancouver, especially in a little bit Florida, got sacked with this cap recapture penalty.
0: You know who invented those long, long, long-term contracts? Ken Holland, Johan Franzen, I believe, was the first
1: oh, really?
0: to get one of those. I think we called up the Franzenstein instead of Frankenstein contract. Um, it, it was, I think, he he was the first, if I'm not mistaken, to get that incredibly lengthy deal uh, to spread oh, yeah. out the cap hit, which a, it's a way was a way of circumventing the cap initially. They're still paying him, I believe. I'm also in a good mood, Bruce, and I'm in a good mood because come what may, the Oilers don't have the resources to make a terrible mistake Mm -hmm. on free agency day. And I'm doing a story on the 31 worst contracts of the uh, new CBA era, which started in January 2013. And there are so many disastrous contracts handed out on July 1st, uh, in July to UFAs and the orders of course handed out at least one of them. And one of them made my list. It's the only one of the orders contracts. It's been some other bad ones by the orders in July. The Milan Lucic contract is fifth Mm -hmm. on the list. And um, no matter what though, Bruce, so they might overpay for someone, maybe Peter Morazic, maybe um, Brett Connolly, but it's only going to be a bit of an overpay and it's and even if it's this, like sometimes you sign a guy like there's players who are signed and they ne- they're terrible from day one like like Dave Boland and um Steven weiss <laughs> players like that have signed con- these huge contracts and they've never been any good at all even for a year for their new teams but even if that right. worst came to worst and i'm not saying it will be and i'm not that much of a pessimist but even if worse came to worst like what Connolly's going to get 3 4 years and Morazik the same thing so uh and you know sometimes it works out too i'm not but I'll, i just think the ufa market is a really bad place to find players generally in this era where cap dollars are so precious and <clears throat> with this Oilers team if they're if this if this team develops as it should Bruce they can't afford do you have, and, they, and they're they not going to have, you know, once the Lucic contracts comes off the books, which is some time from now, but I, I'm hoping that the cap situation on the Oilers opens up in years to come so they can keep the players, most of the players that they're developing right now. You know, so Tyler Benson and Caleb Jones and Evan Bouchard, when they, if they become and when they become excellent players, the Oilers can actually afford to keep them. Right. And they have to think about that now. And so when they're thinking about signing a Miraziq or a Connolly, they, they that's gotta be in their mind, like maybe three years is the maximum, not four, because four years maybe might mean that that might mean you're gonna have to make a horrendous trade of a young player who you really wanna keep. Or or trade away their contract like Toronto just did Patrick Marlowe for six million his 6 million dollar a year contract and gave up a first round draft pick so just to get rid of one year of Patrick Marleau just to get rid of one year of the guy and and they did it because they're just up against it they they're desperate to keep some of these young players that they have mm-hmm. and Toronto has Toronto has had a lot of bad signings over the years you know they had David Clarkson um in uh, 2013 they had Nikita Zaitsev who's on my list in uh, 2017 Joffrey Lupo in 2013. Dion Phaneuf in 2013. Ouch. They've got more contracts on this list than any other team. Now, a lot of them, none of those contracts are Kyle Dubas contracts, including Zaitsev. I think he was just the assistant GM. He was part of the regime, but he right. didn't pull the trigger on that one. So
1: I'm not blaming him, but he's got to deal with it, and it's painful. So, and mm-hmm. like versus- Holland's got to deal with uh, the mess that he inherited from Peter Shirelli. And you know the the thing about the Luongo contract before we move on, that I saw a Vancouver fan rationalizing that at least now because of this they probably can't afford to spend eight million dollars a year on Tyler Tyler Myers, so maybe it's a good thing that they have this cap recapture that's actually preventing them from doing something even more stupid. That fan's thinking like I'm thinking. I mean, if you have, <laughs> if you're with a team where you're used
0: to where stupid is the norm, <laughs> you have dark thoughts like that. Yes. But it's not just stupid teams that do this. It's lots of teams do this, you know. I mean, The number seven contract on my list is Brent Seabrook.
1: Oh, you know, he, man.
0: He signed an eight-year deal uh, for no. $6.8 million. And, and, you know, it's going to turn out he'll have that one near-peak season of those eight. And the, the other seven are going to be, like, he'll
1: be a, essentially a replacement-level player, or thereabout. Um, I know he dropped through 20 uh, minutes a uh, night this year going the wrong way, and I don't expect he'll be back. Uh, yeah it, they, oh. they almost never are I mean Dustin Brown there's you know a few exceptions
0: to that rule but generally speaking once you go down you don't get back up again mm-hmm. when you're in your 30s in the NHL
1: so person, back this, up the cliff.
0: this contract is about what the order should do on UFA day on July mm-hmm. 1st yeah. and in building the team this summer so what would you say if you what's the number one thing that you want to see happen Uh, in terms of building this team, um,
1: in terms of player procurement on July 1st? Yeah, this morning I sat down to write a blog post and I did a bunch of work on the the Oilers, updating the Oilers roster, which I will publish at some point. And I was going to publish it and say the Oilers obviously need two things, a goalie and help on the wings. And then I checked out our blog and there's a new article by David Staples saying the Oilers need two obvious things, a goalie and help on the wings. (laughs) I guess maybe I won't bother writing post in quite that way but it is pretty obvious that that's what I mean they got to get a goalie I mean that, that you know th- there's no choice but to go out and find an NHL caliber uh, um, uh, I, ideally you get um, a guy who can play a tandem situation and unfortunately one of the best candidates today went off the market Brian Elliott who signed uh, extension in Philadelphia two million dollars uh, for a year Veteran goalie has performed well in the past, and historically, he's been at his best when he's sharing the crease and not being counted on to be the number one guy. And that's kind of sort of guy I'd like to see the Oilers go after. So there's one less uh, goalie in well, the market now. In save percentage, the
0: last three years has been nine ten, nine oh nine, and nine oh seven, and that's that's okay, right? Big that's, average.
1: Yeah, well, that's, when that's you're talking okay. about your number two. But it's Br- reliable and consistent. Bruce, you know?
0: I don't think they can look at it that way. And I don't think, honestly, I don't think Ken Holland's looking at it that way. I think he's trying to sign his number one goalie right now.
1: Wow.
0: That's that's what I – everything I've heard him, like, he's never said that. But when, when they talk about what the team needs, it's popping out of his mouth every second word as a goalie, goalie, goalie. And and um, what was and say, percentage 908? Um, yeah,
1: right they- Right in the same neighborhood as Elliot. Same average, same same percentage. Listen, he just played more games. You can't... And my cat's agreeing
0: here. I don't know if you can My cat is agreeing. Yeah,
1: yeah, I heard that. Um,
0: you can't have that kind of goaltending Now there's a chance Koskinen will be better in a second season. That happens. Uh, there's just as likely a chance that he won't be or he'll be the same. It's probably a coin flip, right? Whether he's better or worse. And we don't know which... And we know if he's worse, the orders are sunk if they don't get someone else in. So I, I really think they're looking for a number one goalie here. And that's why they've been trying to, the rumor has it they've been trying to trade for Peter mm-hmm. and, um who was the number one goalie in Carolina this year, it turned out. So let me just look up his numbers. And um, so there's a there's a couple of guys who fill that bill. There's Mrazek and uh, Varlamov. From Colorado, Bartomov I think had a 908 save percentage as well, not two or 909, something like that. He didn't have a great year. Mrazic was at 914 in Carolina, mm-hmm. and um, the year before that he played on two teams. He was at a 910 save percentage in Detroit and an 891 save percentage in Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia excuse me, playing about the same amount of time. The year before that he had a 901 save percentage in Detroit and the year before that he had a 921 safe percentage so he's really been up and down but he's um 27 years old fairly mm-hmm. young man um and i think that's why we're hearing that name is they want to get the number one guy and i think they are completely and absolutely right that's how they that's what they should be looking at and um if it takes a little bit more money like if it's a cost where are we going to spend our money on the others might be asking themselves goldie or wing right. i would put it at the gold position i just think it's and the goalie's on the ice, he's your number he's not your number two goal here, your number three goalie, or your, he's not on your fourth line goalie. He's your he's your number one goalie. He's the most important player on the ice. And this guy's gonna play 30, 40,
1: 50 games. So well we'll see. I mean it kind of if they're still looking for a number one, it kind of brings that uh three year at four point five million dollar a year packed that was Shirelli's last action as Oilers GM. Well, second last action. His last action was packing his desk. I mean, that was that was the very last thing he did, and he was gone the next day. And if he's out, if that's what he's the contracts for a guy that's going to be their number two, then that's yet another disaster in his, in a series of them. He haunts us
0: so still. Um, he I was I had a moment today where I was mis- like assembling the post that you saw, and I was looking at the order's depth chart and the one moment of anger I had, uh, writing that post, you know, I don't always have moments of anger, but I sure had one this morning and it was when I looked at Brandon Manning. Oh man. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Just what, what the heck? And the fact, you know, that Hitchcock was in on that apparently and Hitchcock is still an advisor of the team. Like, ah, It was such remember? a miscalculation at the time. They needed a puck. They needed puck-moving defensemen. They couldn't break the cycle, so they thought, "Well, oh, let's get bigger. Let's get Petrovic and Manning." Like they, they, they just—it's—it's it's typical of heavy hockey thinking. Ken, Hitch, Ken Hitchcock and Shirley were guilty of it right to the end because they're heavy hockey guys. And I'm not saying there isn't a place for heavy hockey, but we—they
1: knew everybody knew the orders needed puck moving. And they couldn't they couldn't even well, I mean, Brandon Manning is going to replace Oscar Clefbell? I mean, just think of it that way. And as it stands out, oh, Brandon Manning is the number five left-handed defenseman in the organization got a, a guaranteed two point two five million dollars next year. And then you add in the other variables of uh acquisition costs. um And the fact that he just isn't very good and he'd had a terrible start to the season was sitting in the press box for Chicago. It was a terrible team at that point. He couldn't even play for them. And the fact that uh, Oilers captain Connor McDavid had no time for the guy, at least previously, maybe they worked that out, uh, and that they traded one of McDavid's friends, uh, Drake Kajula, to get him. And uh, I borrowed a term from the famous uh, astrophysicist Fritz Zwicky and called it a spherically bad trade. Spherical, meaning that no matter what angle you look at it from, it's still bad. Like there's no <laughs> defending that trade,
0: none. You know, all they had to do, Bruce, was bring Johan OV2 back as your seventh D man.
1: Mm, yeah. Well. Um,
0: or or they could have brought yo. Uh, I guess could they have signed Parisson and brought him over this year, like this yo Parisson list uh, past well, year.
1: Possibly. I mean, they they decided mm-hmm. to lend him back to Sweden, but I think they had control over what he did next. And all they had to do was have your seventh teammate as a puck mover, and then you're not looking for
0: lunk. Yeah, anyway, I, Brad, I'm sure oh, Brandon Manning's uh, a nice man and a good man, and he's just a terrible NHL hockey player at this point. And um and then Petrovic the Petrovic trade, like they compounded it. And it really spoke to what they thought was the solution, Bruce. They Fair clearly enough. thought they needed to get bigger. So anyway, the, the defense is kind of set. Like, I don't think we're going to see anything happen on defense. We'll get to that in a second. We might see a, we'll mm-hmm. talk about the possibility of a buyout, but right. when forward, when we look at the forward uh situation on the orders. So, Right now, the top line is a dry McDavid and Cassian. <laughs> the second line has RNH at center. And as far as I can tell the sec after RNH on this, on the second and third lines, you have, uh, Joachim Nygaard, San Gagne. Um, is it Gustav Haas? Is that his name?
1: Uh,
0: Gaytan Haas. G-Tan Haas. Guy who's not even signing, a guy we don't even know his name yet. Sounds like
1: he's coming over, but he's not even Cooper, signed.
0: We got Cooper Marodi, Tyler Benson. Then on the fourth line, Cave, Kobe Cave, um, Patrick Russell, Milan Lucic, Jujar Kairos, and the mix Yamamoto. So there's just after those four guys, you know, Cassie and McDavid, RNH and Drysdale. they're really short on NHL hockey players. And I have high hopes for some of them, mm-hmm. but um, whatever money you have left after the uh, the goalie, you're going to be spending on wingers. And so the question okay. is, do you blow, try to blow it all on one guy, or do you sign yeah. try to sign two or three? So what would what would be your
1: uh, lots propensity? of talk lots of talk about Tim uh, <laughs> about um, Brett Connolly? Hey, Brett Connolly from uh, Washington. Brett, yeah, who, who had a 22 goal, 24 assists kind of breakout season and not playing with top-level line mates. Like, really, he was on what was a very good third line for them. I think he played with Verana and uh, the other Swedish guy that's a free agent. Um, number 90 there, Johansson. Lars Eller? Oh, he, no, played, with uh, L- played, with, he played with Lars Eller, yeah. Urakowski and Eller were his, yeah, his yeah. most common linemates. Yeah, okay. And anyway, definitely kind of third-line level. And he played. He played some with Brianna, but I guess not as much as with those other guys. But not. He wasn't like playing with, with, uh, with Obi and and uh, Kuznetsov and Baxter, right? I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't playing cherry minutes with those guys. So the question remains: How would he do if he was playing with a top-notch center, like Kuznetsov or Baxter or McDavid or drysail or Newton Hopkins? We don't know. Uh, we do know that he's a bit of a sniper, uh, but he's probably going to be costly. Coming off a 22, you know, 46 point season. So, so uh, when you look at his even
0: strength scoring, Bruce, it's been really impressive. Like I, I didn't just look at last year because anything right. happened, I ravaged out two years. And for all NHL forwards, he was, um, he ranked 77th out of 451 uh, forwards who I think that's first it. line, right? 77. That's so that makes you first line. Yeah, top ninety would be first line, correct? So oh, top ninety-three. Yeah, you bet. Top ninety-three. So uh, I always forget about that those extra <laughs> that extra one team now. Um, so yeah, he he's in terms of even strength scoring. So he um, he's ahead of Nugent Hopkins, and he he, he scored two point two eight points per sixty, and, and Nugent Hopkins is at two point one four. Um He's easily the top. Um, and he's, and he's ahead of Anders Lee, you know, who's going to get m- much more money. He's ahead of Furland, Michael Furland and Ryan Zingle, who are all going to get more money. Um, they're next on the list, but um, Connolly's ahead of him. Now, you know, listening to people talk about him, Alan May on Stoffer's show, and he doesn't sound like he's a fast skater. Right. And Alan May's concern was, can he keep up with um, faster players? But, you know, I think um, he doesn't have to play with McDavid. He could play with Nugent Hopkins or Dreisaitl, whoever is the second-line center. And um, that might work out fine. So, again, though, the question is, like, do you you blow the wad on him or Gustav Nyquist? Um, Or do you – or maybe Zingle, who's a fast skater? Or do you um, go with – three or four guys like try to get like maybe Brandon Tanev and Jonas Donskoy. So like, I'll tell you my inclination would be to try to get, try to get, uh, you know, maybe chase on and Tanev or, uh, or Donskoy and chase on or, or um, we like two of those three guys or or maybe Tyler Anis. Um, But uh, I'm kind of torn on that too, because there's so many, I really do like these young players coming up from Bakersfield, like Gambardella. And uh, Patrick Russell and Benson and Marodi, so I, I guess I, I'll probably be okay if they go either direction. It's more opportunity for the Bakersfield crew who really prove themselves um, if they just blow
1: it all on the one guy. So, uh, right. What's your take? Uh, well, I, I really like Brandon Tanev as a player. And, yeah, he's a hard hitter. Uh, he's uh, and he yeah, I like every time I see Winnipeg, he seems to do something that catches my attention he's always busting his butt out there and uh, um, he strikes me as being more of a depth winger but I, I think on Edmonton he would probably get a chance in the top six just because of the relative lack of of uh, competition he's not much of a squarber still well, 14 goals I mean you are looking at Edmonton's list and there's not very many guys at that level you know, Kassian, yeah. who we're talking about first-line winger, he got 15 goals, and he was playing with McDavid and Dreisler. <laughs> Fair so. enough. So, like Tanov
0: and Donskoy does, does that kind of like, let's say they could each get, you know, they, they could get those guys.
1: And he, he's a PKer. And, you know, for all that we need scoring on the wings, the Oilers, if they don't fix the penalty kill, they're never going to contend. I mean, it's just a disaster. There were 30th out of 31 teams last year in both penalty-killing percentage and in terms of goals against uh, power play goals against 30th. If, if they can get one of
0: those guys on a
1: reasonable contract, I'll
0: be happy. Like Don Skoy or Connolly or Tanev. Mm-hmm. And uh,
1: you know, maybe one lower-end guy like... Um, Daniel Carr is a player of interest that had a big year in the American League. Yeah, we've, we we hear about all the dice on one of those guys and actually have them work out. And I mean, last year they they didn't, and he did in the case of uh, Alex Chieson. Uh, but one guy wasn't enough. But at least one of the bets they made paid off, and they're they're going to need to uh, make some savvy bets on uh, on guys that don't break the bank. I wonder if Haas is a penalty or, killer. I believe he is. I, I mean, believe he is. So Nygaard is as well. I mean, whether he's an NHL caliber or a penalty killer, we don't know in either case. Whereas in Brandon Tanner I think it's, you know, he played over two minutes a game on the PK last year, which is quite a lot.
0: I, I liked what I heard about both. I like those signings of Haas and Nygaard, and I like them because they're in their peak years. know yeah. 25, 26, ready to go. 27, should... actually, both of them. Is Haas, I thought he was 25. He's um, a 10-year vet of the Swiss League. Whew. So, um, you know, right in there... This, if they're ever going to be decent hockey, two-way hockey players, it's right now. They're not all yes. banged up and injured. Hopefully, <clears throat> and they and they, but they're both fast too. I hear both of them are really fast. And um, so, what about Chase? On um, are you very keen on
1: him coming back? I'm two minds. I, you know whether he prices himself out. And I mean, that's we're talking about the same thing with uh, Brett Connolly. You know, he scored 22 goals. And all of a sudden, he's, you know, in another uh, level, uh, pay-wise, and you would think the same thing would hold true of On. If you look at their career stats, they would have some things in common. You know, they'd be mid-teen goal scorers that suddenly erupted for 22. And uh, Chason has some nice things that we know about. You know, he's a bigger guy, but he's not a fast guy. Uh, he's good in the net front on the penalty kill, but he's not on power play, but not really a sniper from the outside. So it's a very different player, I think, from from Connolly. Uh, but it's one of those cases where if, if you don't sign one, you got to look at the other one, because somewhere they're going to have to find 20 goals. And and I'm thinking Connolly's is more likely to repeat what he did last year than Chase on this, but that's honestly a guess.
0: Jason had a pretty hot shooting hand uh, early in the year, um, with outside shots. Later in the year, he he mainly scored on the power play, uh, in tight, mm-hmm. or he wasn't going to score at all. He wasn't going to score much at even strength. In fact, his even strength scoring last year, Jason's, was was really mediocre.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so so that's what gives me pause with him. I, right. I hear good things about him though. That he's a good teammate and. I'm a hardworking guy, and if he, he wants he to sign
1: for two at one point five or one point seven five, then maybe. But if it's three times three, like what you're hearing, then I, I, I don't make that gamble.
0: You know, I just um, I kind of hope the owners don't sign anyone on day one and just wait for the day mm-hmm. two things. You know, the, I think the prices are going to crash fast mm-hmm. because the cap is less mm-hmm. than people thought, and the and you know the the reality of this cap that they negotiated in twenty three is. 2013 is really hitting home you can't it's so hard to um to deal with bad contracts so everyone's kind of stuck with them you can't buy most of them out because they're all bonused up and you can't send her to the miners because there are no movement clauses you can't trade
1: them you can't trade because everybody's got one now and they know what they're getting in for yeah you
0: trying. can't hide them in the miners like you used to be able to do um uh, where you know if you, in the old days, you could put the five million dollar contract
1: in the miners use off your books Wade Redden, uh, yeah example, where they had to change the rules because he kind of got screwed uh just because of the way it was set up. now you can bury one point zero five seven five million of the contract, but only that amount
0: so I think Connolly goes on day one, but there's a chance that like tanev and Donskoy won't maybe and uh, chase on there's a chance he won't and you, so you just kind of say who well who's left and you, you go after those players and you might get a bargain like the orders got with that one really good year out of chris russell on a bargain of course they had to wait till september for that to, to oh, come. Sure but uh, you know the orders are they they do have i think some qualified fourth line players i mean if they just played their their top line from bakersfield last year russell Malone and Gambardella as their fourth line at Edmonton. I, I think it would be a better fourth line than the orders had this past year, Bruce. I, I'm sure of it. And um, kill penalties better, kill penalties better, play better hockey, have some real spirit, real hunger. Um, Spend some so I, time in the offensive zone. I don't think they need to sign fourth line players. The orders. like they shouldn't be looking at signing anyone, anyone who looks like, Oh, this is a fourth line player. Don't sign that guy. Because you have again Russell Malone and Gambardella, you have Josh Curry, so you have you have Kara, you have Milan Lucic, you have Colby Cave. You are stocked.
1: You, on, are, you have Brodziak. who I like. I no, oh, you don't. You don't even want him on the team. But if he is yeah. on the team, he's on the fourth line.
0: No shortage of fourth line guys. So they got to splurge. They got to try to find one or two even. Um, uh, third line guys, second top and third line, top nine, yeah. Yeah, top nine. Okay. Defense. Would you? Okay, this is where we get into the serious buyout talk, although
1: Sam Gagne, I think, is also... He's susceptible. Yeah. A case can be made for buying out Sam Gagne, which would be you'd save two million this year, lose one million next year, and then, of course, you'd have to hire his replacement, which would bite into the Two million this year and add to the one million next year. So uh, you're not really saving in the long run, but you might be improving your team in the immediate short term. If you can find a better player than Sam Gagne for under two million, then you're coming out ahead. But I mean, good luck with that. Well, Tyler Benson or Cooper Marodi. Yeah, well, yeah, you don't necessarily to sign him, I suppose. You can just promote, promote him. him. So uh, they can yeah. bury uh, like Vancouver did. They can bury Sam Gagne in the minors, and again save one point zero seven five million there, just half of what you'd save by buying him out, without yeah, having any great. any penalty the following year. So that's probably the better bet. Eh? Andre, uh, I don't think I'd buy him out. The D is where they're looking, and Secura would be the obvious choice.
0: You know what I'm hoping they do, Bruce. I'm hoping they can find a trade for Chris Russell where they bring in a forward of equal value, like a to- like a third line winger for Chris Russell. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's beyond; uh, it, it's not out of the possibilities of, of what might happen. That would be ideal, um, that kind of deal. It would open up a spot on defense, and there's lots of defensemen who can challenge for that spot, and um, move four million dollars and uh, bring in a good winger, so you're kind of solving two problems at once. And If the
1: winger is good. If the winger is good. The idea, I mean, you might get an expensive Mm -hmm. winger that's NHL caliber but slightly overpaid that's in that same range. Uh, The other alternative, which I guess it's time really was last week, uh, is to what San Jose did when they offloaded Justin Braun who, if you look at his career statistics, is not different of a player from Chris Russell. He's just entering the last year of a five-year, $19 million contract. I don't know if San Jose fans are bitching about that contract the way Oilers do about Russell's contract. Justin Braun just has better PR than Chris Russell. Well, he's got a better partner. He's been paired up with Mark Mark Edward Blasic all these years. You know, anyway, Philly took took him on. They gave back a second and a third round pick for that. But more importantly, it sounded they got a cap space out of that. Of course, they they blew it all on Eric Carlson. But they did make that trade to to, to give themselves some some wiggle room. And so that's. I mean, maybe there's a team out there that's looking for for uh, solid veteran defensemen like Philly was with. Justin Brown. I mean, I don't know. They just bought out Andy McDonald and then they brought in Justin Brown. So I can't figure out what Billy's doing now at the time.
0: All right. So if you buy out Andre Sucker Bruce, mm-hmm. you get $3 million. $3 million this year, $3 million the next year, mm-hmm. but then the two following years, you're paying an additional $1.5 million. Right. Ah, tempting, but I, I don't I <laughs> the orders need a puck moving D man. Can you get a better puck moving D man? Mm-hmm. I guess what you can do is you could say, well, we could promote Caleb Jones. He's as good as Andre Sekera. I think that's probably a fair comment. It's going to be close next year about who would be just as good, and we could then use two million dollars on a winger. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but then you, you, the, the downside being three and four years from now. Um, when you have that 1.5 million blow to your salary cap, but you might be thinking, ah, well, we'll deal with that when it comes. In my
1: fantasy world, I'm not sure the timelines are going to intersect. Uh, Andrew um uh, mentors Evan Bouchard on the third pairing for a while. I, I really that like Andrew Sakra. That'd, that'd be ideal, but I'm not sure we're going to see it just because uh, the one might be gone before the other is ready. But in a perfect world, though that's uh, that's a nice solution for your third pair.
0: Who, who, listen, if if Secker is bought out, some team should sign him because oh, he yeah. can help, oh, he yeah. can help you. And he, and he will be
1: signed, I think, because mm-hmm. he's still a good hockey player. If you could get him for a million dollars a year, uh, wow. Or even two million. It's just a 5.5 that's, uh, you know, and after two injury-plagued years, we just don't know what we're going to get next year. If we get anything resembling the original Secker, he covers a, a lot of that bet. But
0: I wonder what they thought of him at the World Championships. It sounded to me like he might have changed their mind about um, his future on the team from his play there. But we'll see. I mean, I think it's a that might have changed again with
1: the cap being about a million or a million and a half lower than they thought it was going to be. So. Yeah. Yeah, nice of the yeah. NHL to announce out at the 11th hour, eh? Here, make your plans on your off-seasons. Rehire your restricted free agents. Sign your unrestricted free agents inside your organization. And, Oh yeah, just before July first, we'll tell them that the salary cap is less than what we've been telling you all year.
0: Okay, Bruce, oh, would you uh, would you buy out Sakura or not? Yes or no?
1: Uh, I don't think I would this year. I don't think I would, and uh, it's tempting. Uh, and maybe if it was the exact right situation that came along, but the t- again, the timing—like you can't necessarily say, "Well, we're going to sign this guy, so we're going to buy him out today." Like the window closes before they even. Uh, the buyout window and then a second one opens under specific circumstances like they s- decided they were going to say take jujar Kara to uh, 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 arbitration uh, then the, there's a second window that can open up for buyouts but uh, uh, i, I say I, you I, wait I, to that second I window holland, i think holland sticks with what he's got and sees what he's got and if after this year, you know, he's got one year left and the you know, then you're looking at saving 3 million for one year but only having that that 1.5 million penalty for one year. And you sort you know, you take it halfway to the finish line and see reevaluate. And I think I think Holland's going to be doing a lot of looking and evaluating what he's got here before he, he does anything crazy.
0: Yeah. I don't I don't like the idea of those down the road having that cap hit. I mean, that, that again, that can mean you lose a good player because you bought out Secker and We're
1: eating, we're eating um, Benoit Pugliot's salary for two more years, and that's costing them a good player this summer. Yeah, and they didn't even need to buy him out. They had all kinds of extra cap space that year. so now they could have we... kept him for one more year and at least cut the time in half, like I was just describing for Secker. They could have done the same with Puliat. They bought it the last two years of his deal, yeah. meaning they're eating... Uh, The bio for four years fading out, Bruce. Can you still hear me? Give me a thumbs up. if You can hear me. Oh, I can
0: hear you now. You come unplugged there, man, or something.
1: There's my thumb. I can cameras over there. Bruce, maybe you should (laughs) (laughs) play. Okay. I, you know, my final
0: thought is this, we, we don't know what, you know, Ken Holland watched that farm team uh, play and for all we know, he's thinking, you know what? Joe Gambardella he's ready for the NHL. Um he's going to be on my forefront on my third line. Uh he might also be thinking Tyler Benson's ready. He's good to go. That's not the, the verbal we're getting, you know, from the hints dropped by Stauffer that he's going to start the season in uh in uh the bake. But uh, between Marodi and Benson and Gambardella Holland may be counting, and and again, I don't think this is rash. Gambardella should be ready to play in the NHL. He's like 25, 26.
1: Well, since the season ended, Holland's moves, he uh, re-signed Shane Sterrett. he signed Logan Day to an NHL class contract, and then he re-signed the entire line of uh, Gambardella, Bone, and um, Russell. So five AHL guys he signed, and you know what? He still hasn't signed anybody from the NHL team. He's got Kara outstanding. He's got Pulleyarby, who I'm assuming is gone one way or the other, at least you know off the books for uh, for next year contract wise. And everybody else they let go who was involved in the big team. You know, Ratty and and Reader are gone, and I'm pretty sure there hasn't been one NHLer that's been re-signed. Uh, since Hall got here,
0: what would you do? Let's finish off with that then. What would you
1: do with Yesapulia yarvi Bruce? I'd let some team blow my socks off with an offer of some guy that can help them in the short term. Uh, and if they if he's not going to help next year, they might as well let him play in Europe and increase his value and trade him next summer. If they're trading him for now for a draft pick. They don't get to use that till next summer anyway. Might as well make it a better draft pick by letting the kid find his way back, you know, to uh, to positive value. Like, I don't think his value will ever be lower than it's right now coming off a miserable four-goal season minus 14 uh, core body surgery at the end of it. I mean, there's a whole lot of red flags there, and, and that doesn't even count the red flags and stuff, you know, we're hearing about. You know, what's buyer, yeah. which you know I don't accept them necessarily, but there's some smoke there. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, which could be solved by maturity, right? And an and an attitude change, mm-hmm. being a year older. I I think it's crazy unless you get a really unless you get an offer based on you know higher value than he seems to have. You don't trade him. There's there's very little to be gained by trading him. Um, he he, I think he he's likely to have a good year in Europe. And it's it's almost ideal in a way. It's almost a kind of an ideal situation where you are saying, "Yeah, go to Europe and try to get your game back, get your confidence, get your health back, get everything back. If you want to come back and play for us, great. If you don't, have, we'll knock you everybody's left. socks
1: off, and we can maybe we can even get a late first round draft pick for you because. Yeah, well, you know, him being in Europe is no different than Philip Broberg being in Europe. At one level, you are not paying him. You know, I mean, he's he's. Uh, if he's if he doesn't even sign your qualifying offer, he goes to the reserve list, he doesn't even take a spot on the fifty man list. Uh so he's out of sight, out of mind, but he's still an asset to your team. So I mean it's a little bit hardball, but guess what? Yes and his agent have been playing hardball this whole time too, so I,
0: I don't actually see it as hardball. They're the ones who said they're they're not coming. it's either it's either yeah. to another team or Europe. Well then you say, Okay, well, Europe. Good idea.
1: Then. Well, yeah,
0: this <laughs> nice, got, got a nice ring to it. It's just what we were actually thinking secretly, but we couldn't
1: force you to go there, but uh, good idea. Yeah, the whole thing is just so unfortunate. You know, it seems like uh, yeah. a, a, a potential star player had fallen in the Oilers' lap, and the Oilers thought highly enough of their good fortune that they traded Taylor Hall about four days after the draft. You know because they have now they got another driver playing forward for them, it's obvious, right? I guess it's not so obvious. A long way from being an 18 year old, uh, talented kid and being a, a difference maker at the NHL level. And uh, unfortunately, yes, the Pulver RV has never come close to bridging that, that gap, he just hasn't progressed the way that everybody thought he was going to. I know I sure did,
0: yeah. And I wonder how much this year injury had to play in it. Anyway, let's leave it there, Bruce. And uh, I will see you tomorrow night at the Oilers
1: Prospects game. At the Billy Moores Cup. Yep. I got uh, wrote up a post today on part day three of the thing. And tomorrow we'll see the, the big finale where they actually play what looks like hockey as opposed to drills and skating exercises and stuff. So it, uh, it should be a little more fun and maybe provide a bit more context in terms of all these guys actually stack up against one another. Are they going to play three on three? They must be. Uh, they Yeah, it's such a small camp that three on three is really probably the only way that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. we only got 18 skaters, so that would be, you know, yeah. three full line changes on each team. Thanks for talking, Bruce. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.